My name is Patrick Dubuque. With me, as always, Nathan Bishop. Nathan, hello. Patrick. Hello. So, uh, the podcast, if you are not aware, the design of this is that Nathan and I will take a game and play it for about half an hour. Sometimes they're games we know well, sometimes they're random. Uh, in this case, it was supposed to be a random game. I had picked a, uh, a game I'd never heard of for the Super Nintendo that apparently is not even a real Super Nintendo game. Uh, it was freeware, uh, but it came to light that, Nathan, you do not own a controller to plug into your PC. Uh, yes, that, uh, that's correct. This, this, my, our aspirations of this podcast got ahead of my <laughs> physical capabilities, which will definitely happen again. So, so we have had a change of plans, and instead of playing Bioworm, which we may someday play or I may forget about, uh, we uh, instead chose the game Zork. Uh, for the PC, it was, cre- it was created in 1977 by four guys at a college that I can't remember. These are details that I should have looked up and then spouted off to you as if reading Wikipedia. Was I did Zork not... really the same year uh, as anyway. the original Star Wars? I believe so. It was yeah, a transcendent yeah. year in entertainment. It was, it was. It was not for sale at that. But it point. was developed uh, at that time. There were no personal computers. So what happened is that they were. It was basically designed for mainframes at universities, okay. and um, they would copy it and send it to other universities. And so only only really the uh, the people living in the libraries got to play it. Um, and so for the listeners but, who haven't experienced this, this is about as basic as far as gameplay as a game can possibly get and still be considered a, a video or computer game. Would you agree? Sort of. I mean, I'm, through I, the I mechanisms, would, like just the... The mechanisms. So so actually, it's in some ways a, quite a complicated game. I would agree. Uh, it's certainly much more complicated than almost anything you'd find on the Atari, except in the realm of gra- graphics, because there are no graphics. It is, all it is a text-based correct. game. And you had played this uh, The game finally went on sale in 1981, and it was a humongous hit. Uh, sold hundreds of thousands of copies uh, back when there were hundreds of thousands of computers to sell them to. Uh, it kept the company Infocom in business for the better part of a decade before uh, the desire for graphics finally managed to kill the company and it got absorbed into Activision where it is now laying as some dormant, uh, useless organ inside. Uh, never to I'm pretty sure again. you have to play a part of Zork to like deactivate a nuclear bomb in the newest Call of Duty. <laughs> probably i'm sure i think i remember there being I'm, I'm not sure maybe i dreamed this but i i think i remember there being actually a a an easter egg where you could go to a terminal in a game and it had oh, we'll have to look that up when we're done I'll have to look that, up. that if we could be informative so I could you, look that you played this game before right like this is is this is this a foundational I, game for you this is a very formational game for me uh i played this when i was a boy on my on my dad's macintosh plus back in the mid-80s, um, and with some limitations. I never beat the game because, uh, based on something, probably the floppy disks that the pirated version of this game were on, um, I couldn't save. Okay. And so I would have to play the entire game in one sitting. And while, uh, as I think you found out, it's not really a one-sitting game. It's it's not long, by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but not only is it long enough it's also very easy to die and have to start it, over. It's not a single lunch break at work game. It's not a half hour. No. Game. So you, hopefully you got enough of a taste of it to enjoy. I think you'll find that, that what, what we love about Zork, we being the seven of us that remember it, <laughs> uh, does not, is not necessarily about beating Zork. It's about the experience of playing Zork. So we'll see how you did. Yeah. You know, I, uh, 
I talked in our previous, our, our alpha or beta episode or whatever we want to call that one that we did last week about how I've played a lot of board games recently and, and coming to Zork, you know, fresh. And I, I've, I've heard the name. I was aware that it's a text-based adventure. I know that it's inspired a lot of other games, but uh, it definitely had more in common with your classic dungeon crawling RPG to me. Um, it definitely felt like the game wasn't was trying to kind of always mess with my head in a way that I wish more games did now. Does that make sense? It does. And, and interactive fiction, which is alive and quote-unquote well uh, as a genre, people still make interactive fiction games. There are still, there's a, still a community that, that creates these games and plays them, and, and uh, they don't make any money off of it because there is no money to be made. But... but there is something in Zork that other games don't have that people are still looking for Do you out think... there. I don't think it's a coincidence, sorry. I don't think it's a coincidence that this game came out around the same time that Dungeons & Dragons got popularized because there is a lot in common. You can think of the computer as being the... a DM who is reading out to you scenes from a session that you are telling the DM what you're doing. And in that sense, there's a lot there. There's not as much of the numerical... RPG elements in Zork. Some of the later games would kind of take more of that on, although never fully, interestingly enough. But there's kind of that same exploratory, uh, kind of freeform narrative feel. And to I it. think, like, as if, if the popularity of D and D in this game kind of ran loosely in tandem, I think people, as they're discovering PCs in this new medium, Zork makes a perfect amount of sense because. It is a lot like a D&D game, and just like a D&D game or like a, a fantasy role-playing game, um, a tabletop game, I found this instant desire, and I didn't have time at work to, to get out a piece of paper and start, you know, drawing the map out as I'm exploring to keep these reference points, which is the same thing that I would like to do when I'm playing uh, any kind of explore, exploratory um, vi- uh, board game. But um, I think that what Zork probably did for a lot of people at the time, if they even if they were into D&D, was one of the first times where you realized that you could take you could offload a lot of that dm responsibility to a computer you know what i mean like you could take that away and and you could experiment with how much or less immersion a particular player will experience once that cognitive load is taken away if that makes any sense at all right and it actually makes it surprising that the parser is the hard part right <laughs> having Teaching a computer to recognize language, you type words into this computer and you say, go north, eat sandwich, uh, fly away. You're, you're telling the computer what to do just like you tell a DM. And it's much harder for a computer to recognize sentences than it is for it to calculate the results of a D20 right. over several saving throws or whatever. And yet, for some reason, interactive fiction never really never really folded in those those numerical elements like the way you think they would and even game books at the time books like lone wolf and and uh i'm trying to think of other the steve jackson books of the 80s i don't know if you're familiar with those choose your adventure yeah kind of choose your own adventure with the rpg elements those have more rpg elements than a lot of these interactive fiction games and it's very strange it is i was honestly you know, I, I had really low expectations of this game because I've had plenty of times where I've gone back to what are considered quote-unquote classical works of any form of entertainment or art, and I'm coming to them from this perspective of adulthood, and, and I think we've all had that experience where we go back to a piece of pop culture and we got there too late, and so it's dated by that time, and since we didn't grow up with it, we don't see the appeal. Um, 
And that wasn't the case for me with Zork. I was actually, I expected the computer to be ludicrously difficult to communicate with. And while it is true that you're, you're basically just spouting off, you know, toddler speak to this thing, it did better than I thought it would. Like, you can tell that whoever programmed this, these four guys, were, they put in an immense amount of work to branch out all of the possible things that people could type in there. Because more often than not, I didn't get the Zork equivalent of 404. I actually got something kind of clever. It it reminded me, and I think I texted you this while I was playing, it reminded me of almost like having a conversation with Siri, which I think is probably a natural extension of what Zork is only in like an assistant kind of way. But um, it was more clever than I thought. You could definitely tell the amount of, of creativity and passion that went into this project. Right. And the the game succeeds because the parser succeeds. The parser is a miracle. That Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, when I was a kid, I would, like, pretend, like, what, what if I could program my own game from scratch? And then I realized that just just translating all the different versions of the word set. Right. <laughs> how how could it, how could you make a computer ever understand those three letters for anything it, it, the fact that they managed to take this game and make it even somewhat natural is is just amazing and it still still holds because, up i mean there's... yeah because 5 years later you had green dot attacking red square <laughs> on the atari 5 years later <laughs> and yeah so it's Seven very years later we had et so, yeah exactly so what I, th- what I think we'll do for this one, uh, since I'm very familiar with this game to the point where I, I feel like I know it so well that I don't really know what other people don't know, I think it'd be best for you to kind of describe your experience and I can kind of chip in uh, and see how see how it treated you. Because it's so it's so enmeshed in me that it's just this is this is my all my video game experience since I was seven. Uh, so. Go ahead, you know, you start, you, you, you basically, the game starts, it's black screen with white text, and it just explains that you're in the west of a house. There's a, a, a nice house with a mailbox out front with a boarded door. So, what did you do? Well, the first thing I did was open the mailbox, because that just seemed like a logical thing. And the the world that I kept imagining, even though this this was kind of in a fantasy world, but also with the these quaint modern entities like a a mailbox and you know this white house it doesn't really describe a time period but for whatever reason the act of wandering around which i did shortly the the kind of the beauty of a game like this is you can create the world fully in your own head as this story is being told to you and i i went back to since we described the age difference between you and i um what i think was probably my zork which were the king's quest games and that's Mm -hmm. the world that i was thinking of in my head and and that same idea of you move to a room, you stop, and here's what it is. You know what I mean? There's no panning camera. There's no 3D. It's just a, a, basically a painted interactive painting for each quote-unquote room. So I opened the mailbox and um, immediately chuckled to myself. when I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I basically got like a congratulations for purchasing the game of Zork. Which, so right away, we've like kind of busted. Yeah, that fourth the, yeah, wall doesn't no. last long. <laughs> <laughs> we are not taking ourselves too seriously here. Uh, and at that point, wandered uh, northward through a forest, climbed a tree, found an egg, which I could not open. It was jewel encrusted. And then wandered around northward forever and look, just playing around with the me- just a lot of exploring, basically. A lot of me typing north, west, east, just to see what would happen. And a lot of that mm-hmm. immediately you run into a lot of impassable mountains. 
And I started experimenting with things like climb mountains, dig tunnel. And, you know, at that point, the parser wasn't having any of my nonsense. And I, I came back and I found a pile of leaves or there had been a pile of leaves that I hadn't explored for some time. Um, and I told the game to jump in the pile of leaves. And again, with a like a sense of humor that kind of caught me off guard, it, it, it asked me if it expected to me to it to clap for me for jumping into the leaves. <laughs> so I didn't know what to do there. And I can't remember exactly what I typed at that point. I, I typed something like remove leaves or like, you know, rake leaves or something to that effect, even though I hadn't acquired a rake. And lo and behold, I find a grate, um, which I, again, cannot open because this is the beginning of a video game, which means you have to go back and find all of the right tools before you can fully explore the world. And I was just trying to think right. of things that I could do. And um, I just the only item that I had acquired up until this point was this jewel encrusted egg. And I don't know how tight this narrative is. I don't know how on rails I am. So I just was trying to think of any way I could think of to interact the egg with this grate. And I just said, it's the, yeah, that, that is very much the King's quest model right? of, of adventure games, right? Take two items, rub them together, see if it does. And anything. that's persisted to this day. I mean, that's a lot of puzzle solving and a lot of video games at this point. You just have to go get something, then get the other thing. And then you have the new thing that gets you into the place. So I don't know what came upon me, but I just said, drop the egg through the grate. And lo and behold, <laughs> what? You, it yeah, you. I didn't expect anything to so, happen there. Yeah. So basically you were expecting failure. You were, you were at this point already just basically challenging the parser so that it could say, no, I can't Correct. do that. Right. And, because there's no there's no positive outcome well, of dropping an egg through a grate. No, there's not. Unless you thought unless you thought the egg was poisonous. Well, well or the, maybe you just had to get that egg away from The one thing that you. I knew about Zork coming in was that a lot of it took place underground. It was almost literally a dungeon crawler. So I right. figured maybe that there's something in this grate. So I drop it down there, and the game says. You, you watch the egg disappear into the blackness below the grate or something to that effect. And then not only was I shocked that something happened, but remembering that this game was made well before um, video game developers gave one shit about the tolerance level for failure of the player, I grew terrified that I had somehow completely kept myself from playing this game and I was going to spend the next 10 hours of my life wandering around only to need this egg that I just dropped down a grate, um, which is when I think I... I I communicated with you to that effect and you assured me that that was something I didn't need to worry about. Um, so yeah, I actually, I felt compelled to go into the, the, and I went the proper way and went to the bottom of the grate and the, I, I did the same thing. I replicated the experiment and the egg was at the bottom untouched perfectly fine. <laughs> now the, the ironic thing, and this is a slight spoiler for those playing the game uh, that egg you couldn't open. When you say you try and open it, it says that you lack the tools or expertise. Is that verbatim? Did, tools and I, expertise? I think so. It is meant to be a clue. It would only be a clue if you ran into somebody who had tools and expertise. Did you find the thief? I at no point interacted with another living creature. Oh, except for no, except a, troll. a troll. I did find a troll. Yeah. So there is a character in Zork, and this is particularly impressive for 1977. There is a character in the game called the thief. And the thief is utterly random. He shows up. There's a there's some die roll every time you go into a room. And if they roll the die, the die, the thief comes in and he will take something of yours. Usually treasure. 
and then he'll walk away. And you can't really stop him. So when you worry about losing the game, you can lose the game. Like he can come in and take your only light source and walk away. And you're just stuck in dark. And you and you will mm. die. And so again, if you can't save, this game is brutal. <laughs> um, so in order to win the game, you need to actually intentionally take the egg and leave it somewhere. Okay. So that the thief, because one of the things the thief will do is he'll if he if he you know he doesn't just necessarily walk into the room you're in. In every turn, he goes somewhere. And if he goes somewhere with a treasure, he'll pick it up. <laughs> um, and he'll take it back to his little treasure cove. Uh, he'll only do it with treasures you've already seen. So he won't like randomize the entire board the entire game. Okay. But if you leave that egg at the bottom of the grate, eventually the thief will find it. And he will take it. And he will take it back to his lair. And the thief has the tools and expertise to open that egg. So you intentionally need to have the thief steal the egg from you. That is in order to get another treasure that's inside the egg. That is 1977 adventure gaming. That right is there. more complicated and subtle than I don't know any video game being made today. <laughs> I think. So yeah, I would have. I would have never. Exp- I mean, I never ran into the thief. Um, I, I kind of, when I said King's Quest, I also kind of got, because I only ran into this one creature during my entire, you know, hour or so that I played, I kind of had a mist feel a little bit, um, without the intolerability of mist, um, because I find that game utterly unplayable. Um, we'll play it. I am so looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, I, 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 (laughs) I think there are three living creatures in the entire game besides yourself. Okay. So I found one of them. And yeah. I killed it. Um, and yeah. then I, I kind of went through, and then really quickly after I killed this troll, I, I really felt like I was making good progress up until that point because I, I, I figured out a way to get inside the house. I got into the house. I grabbed this sword. I grabbed it. I even went upstairs because I had this lantern, and I was smart enough to go back upstairs where it had been pitch black and use my lantern to find a knife and a rope, which I was very excited to use both of those things, and I never did. <laughs> uh, and, I, and then I went back down, killed this troll, and then from there... It became very quick to me, uh, quickly apparent to me that I was not going to beat this at the lunch break no. of my work because it became a subterranean maze, um, which felt like it was randomizing as I was exploring. I w- couldn't no, tell. No, it was not. Well, there. Oh, the maze. There is a. You, you actually stepped into the maze into the west of the uh, the trolls lair. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That that maze. It's not random. But it is uh, really complicated. And again, that's where I wanted and... to get out a sketch pad and start. You know. Right, and and so this game expected you to. Right, that was a vibe it, I got. It, you cannot play this game without mapping it. And then and the maze is specifically a section that's just a puzzle for your mapping skills. Okay. It's not very fun. <laughs> the maze is the worst part of the game, as it is the worst part of every game that there is ever a right. maze. Um, and so, yeah, I, if you if you decide to play this further someday, print a, print a, the map out. Yeah, just print Don't, it. You can skip that part of the game. It was interesting, though, because and, it... Yeah, it, it was not particularly fun to wander around that maze, but the use of the text only was was kind of cool. Like this, because I I I'm, we'll get. I feel like we're probably going to repeatedly hammer this on this podcast as long as we're doing it. But you know, there is so much there is so much handholding in gaming today that it was very clear immediately that the game said they had no it had no had no concept of you are getting texts or you are at work. 
because you would never be playing a game like this at work. You have no cell phone. There's nothing that would be interrupting. Like this game expected everything from you when you played it. When you sat down, it was your night. It was an event. Does that make sense? Right. Like this is what it was for. You were going to sit down. Yeah, there. well, it was the only one. There, You couldn't even play anything else. Right. It was literally the <laughs> only thing of its kind. So there was just none of this, like, we know you've got other shit to do in your life. No, you do not have other shit to do. You are in a maze, and we expect you to figure this out purely on what we're describing. There's really, I mean, I'm sure there are things like that. I mean, probably the closest thing is Dark Souls at this point. Um, but it was different when it was only text. This, it, it it demanded that you create the world in your mind and be able, when it says there's a, a path to the southwest and the northeast and the southeast, you have to really think about where you'd come from, what passages were available there. And it was a, it was a different kind of puzzle. So it's funny that you bring up Dark Souls because there's one thing that Zork really shares in common with that game. Um, and I know that you're not a huge fan of the series, but uh, one of the things about Dark Souls is that you don't have to care about the story at all. Uh, there is an opening cutscene, and there's, yeah, there's a story. Oh. Um, you you get that story not by being shown it through unskippable cutscenes. What you do is you basically can voluntarily talk to people, and you can read the description of the items. So, and then those are the two things. Those those are the only things that you get story out of in Dark Souls, except the last thing, the most important thing, which is this archaeology you're you basically go to a place and armed with what little scraps of knowledge that you've gotten your 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 leaflets out of mailboxes your your item description on the katana that was lying on the floor you basically kind of try and put together the puzzle of what happened here you're coming after and this is very much a case of yes. Zork, where Zork used to be this great underground empire yes. and there was all this stuff going on and you are you are sifting through the rubble. Everyone's dead. Everyone's gone. Right. And you're just kind of going around this empty place trying to figure out what happened. And it, it's a really effective form of storytelling uh, because you get to control it and you get to take exactly as much out of it as you want. <laughs> but um, see, that, that's a, that and, feels like a compelling... It, that makes me... That kind of thing with Dark Souls too makes me feel like I have to, like, there's there's more, like, I like little Easter eggs here and there, but when the entire game story feels like an Easter egg, it feels, ah, it, it can feel burdensome, I guess, would be the way that I would describe it. Can you just, can, could you just not play a game without story? Because, I mean, look, look at Zork, uh, and you didn't finish it, but don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> there is no story in Zork. The, the plot of Zork is that you show up at this house, you don't even, they're not even telling you why. You're at this house. You're at this house, and you have to get as many treasures as possible. You don't even keep the treasures. <laughs> when you get the treasures, you have to put them in a trophy case for points. <laughs> and once you get every treasure and you put them all in the trophy case, then it unlocks you, the door. You are not Zork. saying words that make me want to go back and finish Zork, Patrick. But why? Because that's not what's important about Zork. That's not what's fun about Zork. Zork, you don't, you're not playing this for the story. There's no, there's no character. It's, it, it's interesting because you, in, in an interactive fiction game, this of course is an early one. If you examine yourself, it tells you nothing about yourself. You know, you would never play an interactive fiction game today where if you looked at yourself, it didn't give you at least some physical description. But it's just like, yep, oh, there you are, because that, it, the game doesn't care about that. Mm -hmm. The game doesn't care about 
giving this narrative drive to make you want to play it. You want to play it because you want to solve the puzzles and you want to find out what happened. But isn't that the story? This is just a different kind of story being told, isn't it? Right. But it's a it's a totally voluntary one. You shouldn't feel the pressure to say, oh, I need to uncover all this stuff. You can uncover if you want. If not, you can just play the play it for the puzzles and, and try and get a high score. Right. We don't we don't get hung up on the plot of Pac-Man. <laughs> why do we why are there certain games where we feel like there has to be a story that compels us and other games where there and this one particularly for me, having not played text based adventures before, I would always expect to have some kind of an of an overarching narrative with text being the main mechanic through which I'm in. I'm interacting with the world, which is just right. me. And I'm not arguing with yeah. your, what you're saying at all. I think what what I do really like about Zork and what I really like about Dark Souls, um, my main problem with Dark Souls is that I just suck at it. And, yeah, you know, well, and I and I recognize that there is probably a great game in there, but I also know that I don't have the dozens of hours to acquire the skill necessary to play it. Um, so that's not really a problem with Dark Souls. But what I was going to say is I, I feel like both of those games, the story, and I really like this mechanic, the story is outside of the player, which is kind of what you're talking about. It's not about me and it's not about the present it's about the discovery of the world the world itself and that's actually like you know there's actually some positive stuff to take from that into our real life if we actually want to be applicable to it but <laughs> being about being perceptive and looking and, at the world around and us not, not being, being so self-focused yes yes um oh, so, so, yeah it's, that's a lot to ask it is even. but there is uh, no character exposition of any kind in, in zork from what i can tell no like uh, you don't have a name you have no attributes of any kind you are a non-descript. You can swing a sword. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it, it's kind of freeing in a lot of ways. I felt, I felt, I felt. Yeah, I felt in a lot of ways. Zork felt liberating to me. But I think part of that is also that in this early role-playing spirit, you get to decide. You can imagine whoever you want the character right. to be, and there's nothing to stop you. If you want the character to be female, there's nothing in the game that's going to to bar you from having that feeling which is nice it's actually inclusive in a way that you get to control it and you get your imagination is what decides it rather than rather than the game hiring kevin spacey to do <laughs> wear a big second suit call of duty shot on it. today <laughs> that's an easy one <laughs> he's not even the playable I character I just, uh, yeah it's a very oh. it's a very bob ross approach to rpg gaming um you can just kind of put your little imagination you can create images wherever you feel like you want to put them because it, it it it's it feels more collaborative well the the text base of zork felt really collaborative to me because um we've talked about this in writing before and in other avenues of art and communication this idea of you can't you can't go all the way to the audience because then they're not engaged and you can't make them come all the way to you because that's selfish but if you can meet them halfway and if there's a mutual engagement there a mutual investment of time and energy then you can get something cool and and I don't know if I'd go back and finish Zork just again due to time constraints and 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 still so love another game to play. Um, yeah, but the, I did love that idea of there was something there for me to explore. But in a way, in the same way that a book is way more interesting than a movie as far as a way of experiencing story, um, this was better than like you said, just watching cutscenes because it asked it required right. me to use my mind and to and, and not just to solve puzzles. But like you said, I could create as much or as little story out of this as I wanted. When it talks about, I think I went to a dam um, controlling water at some point because there was one room that that I had a, a giant bar um, that I couldn't pick up. And, and there was roaring water. And every time I tried to type in a command, the game just made fun of me by echoing back the word that I said to it. 
Um, do you remember this room? You, you definitely do. I do. And I went to this uh, this dam, and again, trying to figure out like, is this a modern world? Is this a fantasy world? Et cetera, et cetera. But then there's this big dam, and it describes it as as an old tourist attraction, and that just doesn't sound very fantasy. You know what I mean? But it also didn't, and it just it, it kind of almost in a beautiful way put me. It removed my bearings, and which which was cool because it was almost like it just took a big full bucket of paint and just threw it over what I thought was a half finished painting and said, nope, that's not what you thought it was. And you have to go back and really try to recalculate what it is that you're actually in. And there's not a lot of experiences like that in games now. There are games that try, but games are so focused on trying to be movies more often than not now that we've and to fulfill certain genres for the for the certain fan groups that will buy the Correct. game, right? Uh, you've got to have you know high fantasy over and over and over again because people like that. Um, so, so my question to you would be: in modern gaming, is there anything that comes close to approaching the style of Zork? I have not played the Stanley Parable. Would that be a, a decent comp? Uh, I don't. Stanley Parables interesting in some ways. I'm not sure if it's the same level of, of freedom. Stanley Parable is more of a critique on how uh, linear games are. Okay. There are, there are at a certain point, there is literally a line that you are being cajoled into following, <laughs> and in that sense, it's making fun more of rail games okay. than this, where you're basically thrown out. I think um, probably if there's a, a modern parallel to this type of game, it would be something on the lines of Gone Home or Firewatch or the walking simulators. Um, where, where you're basically thrown down and saying, you're here, you decide what the win condition of this game is. You decide what the story okay. of this game is. You, you go and find out what you want to find out about it. That archaeology is kind of the same concept in those type of games as it is. I have not played Firewatch, but it's probably the next game that I'm going to actually sit down and make an out of an, like, I'm going to set time aside, get this game, figure out a way to have my kids leave me alone and play. Because I've heard enough good things now that I'm getting really excited to play it. Um, yeah, yeah, I haven't watched, I haven't played it yet either, but uh, it it does look awfully good. Um, one of the things I before we move on, I, I want to mention that that you talked about meeting people halfway, and I think one thing we should underline is that this game is really well written. It's not just well coded; it's well written. Even though there's no story, the the way the parser interacts with it, it's very minimal by modern interactive fiction standards. Almost everything has more descriptions and more verbs and more things you can do now uh, than you could in 1977, which is natural. But there's just enough good-natured humor in it that you want... You, you it, It's nice to interact with the parser. Um, and I think this is one of the... It, this leads into probably my favorite thing about interactive fiction that I think died with graphics... <laughs> Even even for just be, not not necessarily because, you know, the present is worse than the past, but just because of there's limitations when you can see everything. Agreed. Um, and what what there is with these text situations is that half the time it, it makes so many things into Easter eggs <laughs> <laughs> because you're not you can't just pan around and see everything that's possibly in your view. Uh, you can you get these things that are thrown to you as soon as you type in a command. Um, Zork doesn't do this quite as much as other games, but there's a point where there's a, uh, uh, there's a note you in near the dam. There is an inflatable pile of plastic that you can blow up to make a raft. Ooh. 
in the raft is another helpful note. And the first sentence of that note is, hello, sailor. <laughs> <laughs> and so hello, sailor becomes a running joke throughout the, the Zork series. Um, for just because the oh, author liked it. it. Um, and uh, if, if you say hello, sailor, it just says nothing happened here. <laughs> and no matter, everywhere in the game, there is no point in the game where anything happens when you say hello, sailor. <laughs> it's just... But it always says nothing happens here. Just them, just them enjoying their own joke. Yeah, they're just creating their own little in jokes, and and because because it's text and not visual, you have to you have to dig for them. Right. There's a lot of digging for that sort of thing. There's there's so many. The parser allows for so many combinations and so many weird things that you can try to do, and then find out if it does something. Uh, you can kill yourself. Right. You cannot kill yourself in very many no. games. Uh, but you can sure kill yourself in Zork. You, you won't let you won't be able to do it until you find a knife or a sword. But uh, once you do, <laughs> it, it's more than happy to fulfill your request. I should have tried um, that. That's how I should have ended my lunch break today. It, it's it's interesting. I actually uh, I made it my mission to kill myself permanently. Um, so you can die three times in Zork. Okay. Uh, you the first time you die, you will be teleported outside into the forest in a random spot. And all your stuff will be gone. It will be randomly scattered throughout every place you've been. And you have to go find it and pick it up. Uh, if you kill yourself again or you die a second time, then you get teleported back to that same spot in the forest, except you are now a ghost. <laughs> and you can't pick up anything. Oh, I love that. And already it is impossible to okay. win. <laughs> but for some reason, they'll let you keep playing. Um, it becomes much harder to die at this point. Because uh, you can't pick up anything to kill yourself with. <laughs> uh, but you can still be eaten by a group. Uh, did you, have you had experience I, I, with the I got did warned you... of one when I went into the attic of the house. But at that right. point... I... If you hang around a dark spot for two turns, a Gru will eat you. Okay. Uh, even if you're a ghost, a Gru will oh, eat okay. you. Okay. I have questions, uh, but... It's, sure. It is funny how cavalier this game is with death. Um, given, given how kind of you know how possible it is to be rather horrific about it <laughs> sure um there is a very early adventure game sensibility and this is true of the king's quest games as well where you can die millions of ways right. in every king's quest like the deaths in king's quest are perhaps the biggest easter eggs of all <laughs> it's been so long um, since i played but i totally remember them i think space quest is actually probably the one with the most humorous deaths to the point where they became little cutscenes of their own <laughs> uh and finding the weird, interesting ways you could die. There's not as many in this game, but it is funny that you just it when you kill yourself, it says, Poof, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which I hope is the way it happens in real yeah, life. <laughs> absolutely. Like That's when I die, poof, you're dead sounds like about <laughs> the best way to go. Well, okay. So let's let's spin this forward. So you you clearly these these are clear this idea of interactive fiction is clearly hugely um important to you and, and has, has impacted the way that you interact with games and, and story and fiction and all this other stuff. There, there's, there's gotta be, this was what was interesting to me and, and kind of serendipitous that we were getting ready to record this. Uh, the last episode I talked about playing uncharted and lo enough, lo and behold today, as I'm playing Zork, I saw an article pop up on Kotaku. I think that's how you say it. Co Co I, I'm, okay. Yeah, I so. Um, there where somebody had turned the newest uncharted into 
kind of a Zork-like text-based adventure. Did you get a chance to look at that at all? I did not. Get I a assume to play that, it. that that it's not one of a kind, and that there is like a subculture out there that is passionate about doing this kind of thing because there's a subculture passionate about everything on the internet. And it was just kind of interesting to think about the idea of somebody doing this. Do you know of somebody that's out there hardcore? You said that, that there are people still doing interactive fiction. Is that correct? Yes. Now, uh, I mean, there's actually it's probably bigger than ever right now in the sense that the uh, the game engine Twine was released a few years ago, and that made it a lot easier okay. to create games online. Uh, usually, usually the interactive fiction genre leans heavy on the fiction. Um, the, it's mostly about making stories and using interactive fiction to kind of control the tempo and the flow of those stories um, rather than creating Myst-style puzzle <laughs> games. Sure. Um and so, yeah, within, I'm curious to play this game because I'm wondering, how can it be any less linear than the source material? It would have to be, I would think. But it's just, um, but I would be interested to experience the same source material in the text format, the interactive text format, yeah. as opposed because there, there's no game ever made that, and I'm comfortable saying this, that depends as much on its visuals as Uncharted. Like, that, right. that is what it is. So when you take that away, <laughs> what, what are we, you know? Pressing X to pay respects. <laughs> <laughs> that's the third call of duty shot now <laughs> i've never actually played a call oh of they're duty so game. bad um, uh so yeah the only reason i didn't play it is because i haven't played uncharted any of yeah. them and so i didn't i didn't know but if i've got a we got to hunt down one for a game i have played maybe there's a dark souls oh, text goodness. adventure game we could play that um so what's interesting about interactive vision is that uh there's it's puzzle based for the most part there are there are some games hopefully you'll play we'll, we'll play a couple of them at some point that are not puzzle games at all where it is actually a fairly linear experience and it is just a story that you figure out how to turn the page on the puzzle is figuring out how to move the story forward which is what gone home is which is what yeah. the walking simulators yeah. are um but a lot of interactive fiction is based on puzzles and so ever since i started playing interactive fiction i always wanted to create interactive fiction game um and there have been engines to do this for more than a decade now and i've i'm i'm not a good programmer <laughs> by any means uh, i know basic html but it I, I would learn how to use a program and then realize that i had no idea how to create a puzzle <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it made me really think that i'm not sure i like puzzles at all from as <laughs> in a any game. i'm trying to think yeah, I'm trying to think what puzzles and games I really enjoy for the sake of the puzzles. I mean, there are puzzle games out there that I suppose I like. I can you think of one? What's a good puzzle game? Um, it's Doctor Mario a puzzle game. Is Tetris World a puzzle of game? Of puzzle puzzle game? Boxel? Well, uh, yeah, World of Girl. I bounced off that one. Um, I really, you know, games like Boxel and games like, uh, uh, you know, even even Sudoku type things. I'm Crossword puzzles, I, I guess. I don't enjoy those. Like those aren't my thing. Um, I haven't played The Witness. People rave around about that game. Is yeah. is what what shoot? What's the the one? Um, Braid. Braid's a puzzle game. Right. I liked Braid. I didn't finish it. I I did finish it, and I guess I liked it. I I never felt nervous to replay it, and it wasn't because it I was didn't clever. Think it was... I think that's yeah, the thing I, with I, puzzles, I, isn't I it? I admired the mechanics. Puzzles puzzles do 
puzzles are so dependent on cleverness and it kind of depends on right. how long cleverness doesn't feel like it lasts long you know well and it's it's the least replayable type of format of a game anyway right. um but when i think thinking about real like i would think about trying to create a game and first you think of the setting when you want the game to be about you know i i started creating a game called feed the cat <laughs> Uh, it was just basically a test game to to figure out the language. And the idea was that you were hired to feed somebody's cat. And the puzzle was the the only puzzle I'd gotten to was how to get inside the house because they'd forgotten to give you a key. And even that was too much for me. I could not find an interesting way to get a key to open a door. <laughs> um, and I'm people still make them like there's still keys out there in the world. So uh, somebody has to be still tackling this, this, uh, immortal puzzle but i just couldn't i couldn't do it and i realized what in life is a puzzle <laughs> like most there are puzzles in the world but they're not they're not fun they're not the fun part of your day like i had to replace my headlight that's a puzzle. Back. that was very much a puzzle yep. <laughs> that was that was like um that's about as missed as it gets <laughs> replacing a headlight and uh just I touching random things with no one else around. Yeah, just, just what if yeah, I screw, which order what do if I, I these screw this in? to the right? <laughs> Wait for the familiar <laughs> But like so many games have really terrible puzzles in them. And usually puzzles are just there to slow the Correct. player down. Like like any Resident Evil game um, has puzzles where you find a glyph and you put the glyph on a door or you 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 find the glowing gem and you set it in the the statue where the eyeball is and they're not challenging in any way shape or form they're just there to redirect you off the straight line and and if they're difficult they're easy to get frustrated with because it's not what you show up for it's a distraction you know so yeah, th- this is what I'm having trouble with is what it, I can't figure out what it is about puzzles I like. And and even replaying Zork today, I, I I looked at the map. I played through about half of it. I looked at the map and I was thinking, which of these puzzles really really appealed to me as a kid or even now? And none of them are great. <laughs> <laughs> none of them made me feel at the time like, man, I feel so proud of myself for figuring that, that out. That is the magic of a puzzle I mean, too. At the, at the yeah, I mean, at best you're hoping that you don't. It doesn't feel so cheap that it that it, it pisses you right. off. But none of these ascended to the point of me feeling like, yeah, look at me, I'm because smart they guy. can't make puzzles that's like what, that. Because then if they make it where it, only truly clever people can solve it, you're already like marketing the game to like the smallest percentage of humanity. But this was our chance. <laughs> well, <laughs> the dumb people had to play this game because there was no other well, game. I have bad news. We've yeah. <laughs> the market has spoken. Late age capitalism wins again. You know, I'm sure I'm I'm sure we're missing stuff. If you were listening to this and you are enraged, uh, feel free to email the podcast at whatever email address I'll set up. <laughs> Please do. This, we have not we have not done. I, I don't feel like uh, we've done Zork even a little bit of justice because I've only played it for an hour and I didn't play it as a child. But I I yeah. was legitimately fascinated by experiencing a text-based adventure digitally having played a fair number of tabletop rpgs and just the the similarity yet difference that it felt like i was experiencing through that and i would agree that that the one thing that i would take away is as we spoke about the cleverness of that storyteller that 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 parser that you're bouncing off of all the time you 
that is the one thing that would make a game like that worth playing, and they absolutely nailed it in a way that I don't know of any other game nailing that particular kind of thing since. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get back to the genre someday. We'll play Hitchhiker's Guide to the I Galaxy, would love that. and you can you can see this this form bent to its absolute furthest possible. Do we have point. any ideas for what we want to do next week? Do I get a pick, or do you, are you picking every week? You could pick, um, unless you buy a controller, you you have certain constraints placed on you. But uh, as long, the basically what we're gonna do is we're gonna pick one at random. It'll be something that we can obtain for free, hopefully, uh, for free, hopefully, or at least not for very much. Um, and then yeah, yeah. So I will let you make the choice. Okay. I will. I may tweet uh, it out and see and let the people choose because that's what I am. Yep, look out for it. I yes, please. We'll let you know when it lands. <laughs> All right. So uh, once again, thank you for listening. Uh, this is the Weak Point Podcast. Nathan, you can be found on Twitter where? Uh, you can find me at my name, which is at Nathan H. Bishop. And you can find me at my name, backwards, <laughs> which is E-U-Q-U-D-U-D. All right. Have a good evening. Thanks. Thank you very much.